like me They hurt me on that other one So it's only it right that I hit you with another one Yeah, like me all right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737-GRIND. All right, so yeah, so sticking with that game before we, uh, you know, move on, um, Adam Martinez is checking in with us on Facebook Live. Says, Calvin, as Parsons getting close to be included with the conversation with LT as when best defenders and on your Broncos, that loss was all on the coach. Was that loss well, all on the coach? Can't not give up 18-point lead. Wilson was actually decent. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, Adam, on the Parsons situation, I'd be like, no, it's not. It's too early now. Um, and, again, I don't expect people that are not as old as me, as old as me, uh, that didn't really see Lawrence Taylor and the narrative around him when he played to understand that. But it's going to be – those are probably two guys that I've always, as long as I've been a fan of football, have always put in a category by themselves that it's not really debatable, in my opinion. It's when you talk about the impact and really being one of the greats. Uh, and that's Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor at his position, and that's Coach Prime, a.k.a. Deion Sanders at corner. I think you can have debates. With, you had debates up until Tom got seven. You have debates about the quarterback. You can still make arguments with quarterback. There's some people that still don't have Tom as a GOAT, regardless if he got seven rings now or not. I mean, in regards to that, I think so. The Micah Parsons, I think for one, and the reason why I say it's too early because the longevity, I mean, what, if something, God forbid, if something happens and Micah Parsons blows his knee out, are we going to say his footage, uh, what he's put on film those first three years is good enough to put him in the conversation with Lawrence Taylor? No, it's not. Number two, I will tell you again, uh, you know, Michael Parsons had a certain level of focus, obviously, from every all the chatter that he was doing coming into the season, that there was a standard he wanted to play with and that the defense wanted to play with. He had a, a certain focus to sit there and stew after that loss with the 49ers being eliminating the playoffs and then also setting the tone of an edge in camp and really had to be focused in on that. Lawrence Taylor was was damn near playing and coming to the sideline with an eight ball in his, in his sock and staying out to New York to four o'clock in the morning and still wreaking havoc. Lawrence Taylor created a position that got paid. The blind, he, he let it be known from general managers, to coaches, how important it is on who you got at tackle on the line, protecting the blind side of a quarterback based off the Joe Theismann incident. He created the importance of that. He also created, and I forgot who that was, that it was about that 86 Giants team uh, that Bill Parcells had. He also created the first where people started leaving fullbacks in to chip him and to do that. So when you talk about game changing, I mean, when you're talking about the Wilt Chamberlains of the world, the Shacks, are you talking about guys who changed rules almost? Michael Parsons playing a stud. He's probably your early. He was your early betting favorite from the beginning of the year for defensive player of the year and possibly MVP talks. But in my opinion, no, I'm not ready to put him in Lawrence Taylor breath or talk. And that's absurd. Go ahead. So just not not a Cowboys fan, Mm -hmm. but to speak on, on behalf of Cowboys Nation here, if I'm hearing you right. You're telling me that Micah Parsons needs to start doing drugs 
and that it, it just sucks for him that he wasn't born 30 years earlier to invent a position, even though he's balling out at his current one. No, I'm not saying I'm not. I never tell anybody it's okay to do drugs, those type of drugs, you know. No, I'm telling you that I, that's why I stated the whole take with the focus, meaning that that's how talented Lawrence Taylor was. Micah Parsons really has to work to be who Micah Parsons is. I watched him at Penn State under Franklin, and I watched. He's a hell of a player. He's worked a lot of hard. I'm not saying Lawrence Taylor didn't work, but I think that I'm going to take the words of I've heard. I've seen. I've heard guys talk to, about him that has seen a lot of football. Go think of the great players Bill Parcells have coached. Go think of all the games that John Madden and Pat Summerall has done together. And when I hear John Madden rest his soul, when I talk, when I hear John Madden say, hey, "This is God, one of my favorite players." Lawrence Taylor said he make him. Lawrence I, Lawrence Taylor is a different beast, and I'm never going to be the guy that lives in a microwave society in the moment. Just because I'm waiting to hear doesn't mean like okay what happened no and I'm not telling you when it's all said and done Michael Parsons can't put himself in there but what he's done through three years hell no I'm not putting him he's not in Lawrence Taylor category Lawrence Taylor I mean he's one of the last guys to win a defensive MVP to win the evening P from defensively spot. Michael Parsons could continue on this path, and I'll tell you straight up, it's still going to be hard. They'll still find a way to manipulate it to a quarterback position or an offensive position. So I'm telling you right now through three years, hell no, I'm not ready to put Michael Parsons up in that Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was a bad dude. So no, I'm not saying just because he didn't do drugs, whatever. I'm just telling you that's how good Lawrence Taylor was because he didn't have to try as hard. You know, you got some females that'll sit there and they'll wait. They'll they'll spend five hours to get ready to leave the house because they've got to work that hard to look better. You got some females that can roll out at eight o'clock in the morning, stanky breath and not brush their teeth, and they still look no makeup and they look hot as hell. One of them is an Oscar Award winner and Holly Berry. I've always said that. You know, there's some women that are gifted in that in that gift. Yeah, so no, man, I, I'm not gonna sit there and uh, Micah got to try hard to be Michael Parsons. That's all I'm saying. Now, when the longevity goes, he stays healthy, he stays, yeah. You know, but just keep in mind, I mean, and also it's a different time and just in regards to rule change. It's the same thing I say about corners and all that. I Moving on. To be sure. Yeah, I got you. Uh, also, uh, what else we got coming in? It says, Gerald Glenn checks in. Who gets more blame for that choke job, Sierra Husband or Coach Payton? Um, I think they really share a hand in it. Um, Gerald, that's the reason why I'd use the, the narrative that Sean said, dirty hands. But when you listen to the press conference, I mean, when you listen to this bite from his post-game press conference and Russ, I want to explain something when I get back. And that's the reason why we, after we listen to it, and that's the reason why I know this is the first test, I believe, in regards to this particular relationship. And I'm going to basically break it down to you, translation, what Sean's trying to tell everybody. But let's go and hear from uh, Sean Payton, the head coach of the Denver Broncos first. Coach, over here, yeah. uh, you mentioned the communication was slow in the second half, specifically that second-to-last drive. Uh, what, what was going on? Well, it was more than just was one drive. There was a number of drives, you know, where we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. we got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with, with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But... Um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. Okay. Now, that was Sean's response to a reporter asking him questions about, and, and you know, essentially what happened or what, what caused this collapse. 
And this is the next response from Russ in regards to that particular question about the wristband situation. Russ, Sean talked about you guys being a little slow getting in in and out of the huddle or getting the play call right or quickly, and then McGlinchey kind of said the same thing. So how do you fix that? Yeah, I thought we've, I thought we've done a really good job getting in and out of the huddles. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> I thought we had like two or three, you know, plays where we could have been a little bit faster on the first half. We, you know, we called timeout on one of them, but, you know, I, you know, we got to be cleaner. We'll be cleaner next time. Um, let me add a little bit. So we didn't have in that clip, but when Russ was also went on to kind of say that, hey, I didn't know, you know, you need to wear a wristband to win or lose football games. Um, okay. A little history and backstory. Cause I didn't really catch it until I had to hear it again last night. Remember, Russ's last year or two in Seattle, there was a big thing that leaked in the ordeal that supposedly Pete Carroll wanted Russ to start wearing a wristband because there's been a narrative since Seattle in his last few years uh, out of all the other things that leaked out of that organization um, about Russ was the fact that he had a hard time getting plays in and out of huddles. Okay, that was a narrative. Sean Payton listens and knows everything in the history of the game from what play a guy ran against him, so-and-so. I heard him talk about Jack Del Rio defense leading up to this game. Oh, I can watch a film and say, oh, Jack's somewhere over there coaching that. This is a student of the game. So my point is that jab, that was a jab. That was a jab to sit there and say, hey, we got to make you, if I got to make you put on a wristband or we got a wristband, it will do it. Now, I don't know where I'm confused, and I haven't said I've looked at it as much as a Sabruta film. But if I'm not mistaken, Russell Wilson did have a wristband on yesterday anyway. Now, what it means is just because you have a wristband, like I'm not calling every play that you got to look. But if we've got to make sure you look at the wristband because you have a hard time communicating what I'm getting out, then that's what we do. I'm eager to see how Russ responds to that in general, because the one thing you didn't hear in that clip was him saying, hey, I don't know. We had because he understands that was a negative narrative in regards to that. When I hear the word. From the defensive side of the ball, you didn't hear it in that press conference, but when I hear him talking about dumbing down the language, even on the defensive side of the ball, or even the quarterback position, that's also basically knocking on guys who you got in regards to their intelligence and their football IQ. That's the way I take that. Number three, what you're really hearing Sean say, what I heard him kind of say this morning, because he kind of danced around the questions about how do you, you know, lose a game like that, or how do you, what's the momentum shift? And when I hear what you just heard right there, what he's trying to tell you, and look, it ain't, it ain't the play calling. It ain't the script. It's the guys out there that's kind of getting in my way of what we're what we're trying to do. He also alluded to that he ain't used to burning through timeouts like that through the first half. When you hear that, that automatically takes you back to New Orleans, but you got to look at who he has as a center. And you can know what the task is hand, and you can be one of the greats, which I think Sean Payton is, but you don't really know in regards how tedious can be when you have to go through it or work with somebody or give somebody plays that you have to feel like, damn, I was so used and really blessed with Drew, not just the passing yards or the, you know, the precision, the precision of just basically how he, you know, ran the offense, but something so different to where when Sean has an offense, he wants to quarterback to be the coach in the huddle and evidently this is a part but basically Russ has a somewhat challenging to deal with 
So right there, out of all the things from, hey, man, stop kissing babies. Stop basically not running for politics. You know, you're not trying to be a politician. Everything I've heard about, oh, we're not going to have any trainers or personal. I don't know nothing about that. That's foreign to me. All the sound bites and all the takes that you've heard Sean Payton kind of lob to Russ, this is the first one that I feel that is going to really test. And Sean is constantly kind of poking. You know, I've heard guys that basically played for him, uh, you know, I, that's been around him. Uh, you know, the guy I think on the four-letter net where he was, he got let go, and Nikovic, I think he played with the Patriots for a while. Sean had him. He even said, that, you know, Sean's the type that he will poke at you and poke at you and call you out during the media because he wants you to fight back. He's trying to figure out, like, Russ, do you have some anger? Or are you going to come up with a PC answer to everything in general? He's trying to poke him and poke him. Now, that can work or it can backfire. But Sean knows I'm not going anywhere. You might, though. You and Little Future and you and Sierra. The reason why I think it's going to tell the deal is because Russ is coming off a 300-yard passing game. And then Russ's mind is like, damn, man, I got killed last year because we couldn't put up more than 14 points a game. Said points, but I put up this. I just put up 30. And what? Wait a minute. It ain't on me. What about this defense that can't get stops? Moving on from the, that game, the last thing I would say and the one thing, Sean, which is true, and he's blunt. Hey, you're going to play better offenses than, than Washington and Sam Howell. I mean, you got the Miami Dolphins coming in, and that ain't a game that they're going to win. That's one of those games that, for one, you're not even getting the pass rush. I mean, if Jimmy got the ball out quick, I know what I'm seeing, what Tua's doing. And you're going into a hot South Florida, and you're going to play this offense. And, 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 I'm, and even though I'm not expecting them to get a W, what I am going to look like for Vance Joseph, because to me, there's two guys that are right now kind of feeling the heat, that Sean deflecting heat to. And that's Russ, and that's the Vance Joseph. Sean made the hire on Vance Joseph, though. But what I'm looking at is like, look, Vance, if we got a coaching staff, and this comes down to Sean, you got to look at some of that film yesterday with the Miami Dolphins and Patriots. I told you on Friday, there is something to Bill Belichick, the way that he covers Tyreek Hill. You can go look at the numbers in regards to how everybody else covers him based off of his times when they used to play against Kansas City. Tyreek Hill hasn't had over 60, 65 yards since playing against Bill Belichick. Now, you've got to have the bros and joes to do that, but I think Bill has put enough out there that I better see something implementing that at least. All right? Now, you notice one thing that I haven't even brought up. Because I chose to be to the end because, again, I know I had Kansas City Rob mess me, whatever. Like, hey, man, y'all got hoes on that two-point conversion. Yeah, it was a bad call. But honestly, man, it shouldn't even been down to that. I mean, yeah, he there should have been in a second attempt on a two-point conversion. Now, if you want to talk about something else more than I want to talk about the penalties on this team where I put Sean, I just feel as worse. Sean, I've seen him in New Orleans and seen this. They got caught with their pants down. When you're in that situation, you're supposed to have a go-to, lights-out, two-point conversion play. Period. They didn't have that. And I believe what's probably not going to be put out there during the week, but when they sit down and look at the film – and basically, and, and Sean's there with a ticker with Russ. And that particular play, he's going to look over there to the left and say, you know, why did you look off Judy? Judy was open. And Russ is, this is the process of Russ needing to sit on somebody's couch. He's lost confidence in his skills. And it can go like that. You saw it from the first three drives to where if something goes wrong, oh, damn, we suck again. Here we go. Judy was open. He looked them off. And he looked to Cortland. Now, I don't think it was a game they deserved to win anyway yesterday the way it went. 
But that's the reality, and this is a part of the process of coaching and trying to see what is going to improve from here and there. And the thing is, they have no margin for errors, man. The injury, the Kareem Jackson thing, that uh, yeah, getting him ejected, you oh, that didn't make a difference. You damn right. When you're down Stroud, your other and you take him out now, he's got a reputation now. Now, from what I'm hearing, he's not going to get suspended. But the guy's coming in trying to catch. You're trying to dislodge. Maybe you left your feet. That's what it did. But you take him out the game and basically tame. But everything turned, and it's not about me. I know it sounds contradicting, but I'm not. It's not putting all the losses on Russ, but everything turned on that fumble. You can feel it through the whole stadium. I can feel it through my TV to my couch. Like, man, we used to call it, like, you know, my buddies used to play Madden. We used to call it, oh, they got the face. They get in that face. When your athletes get that face, like, uh, I'm kind of nervous. Like, when it's just basically starts to start, it's going to start trickling down their leg. They're going to start peeing on themselves. And it, it went through the whole stadium. How do you start the bleeding? Now, I'll tell you one thing. The game that they probably going to need a way to get right is that next game off Chicago, which I'll get to them in a little bit. But it's you. You've seen improvements, but the pay, it comes down to W's and L's, man. That's just really what it comes down to. But Russ got to get over that mentally. Had a heck of a game, but you got. There's no way you should basically think, "Oh, here we go again," just because you fumbled the ball when your offense is cooking like that. Second half. Total ninety million dollars given to two tackles. I'm still not too sold on Powers. Whether it's a different team, but the glitchy got pushed back a lot. Ninety million dollars given to two tackles. They were said they were going to be a physical team. Pretty much, you know, they made, they got four or six. Javante Williams, I think, only got four attempts in the second half. They didn't run the ball enough with a 21-3 lead when you're up. And part of it feels like Sean thinking, like, okay. And the lack of urgency down three or four minutes, getting in the huddle. I'm like, damn, are y'all not in a hurry up? I mean, you're down by two scores. I'm like, man, this guy's really coaching this. Like, hey, I'm trying to evaluate how they're going to do it. The wins come, they come. If they don't, they don't. That's called job security. Don't mean I'm cool with it, but that's the reality of the world that you're living in if you're a Denver Bronco fan. When we get back, we'll get to the rest of the NFL card. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. 
All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing the spit of the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737-GRIND. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pillin & Whiskey. Keep in mind, Pillin & Whiskey is an oak barrel whiskey distilled in Canada using some of the finest ingredients from the highest peak, which is Mount Hood in Oregon. All right, and keep in mind, Pillin & Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and it's the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind as well also. 877-37-GRIND. Um, all right, keeping it moving. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Um, moving on. So, yeah, so that's my thoughts. We'll see how they turn from there, but just a frustrating, disappointing thing uh, from there. And, and I told you on Friday that you could possibly hear some boo birds, and you kind of did toward the end. And again, that's just, you know, that's a fan base in Denver for six years uh, that has been just frustrated uh, going through. Um, also, keeping it moving, stick with the NFL, and I'll get back because we got some more messages on Facebook Live to uh, read. We'll get to that shortly, but I want to keep it moving. Um Keeping it moving, some of the other things that I noticed yesterday in the National Football League. Uh, first off, um, the Bills were able to go ahead and bounce back uh, along with Josh Allen and was able to pull away from the Raiders. They got off to a rocky start. Um, it looked like to me that there was a conscious effort to try to run the ball more. Um, it looks like somebody possibly, you know, got to Josh Allen a little bit, but when you go look at the tape and look at the touchdowns, he stayed, you know, I think if you're a Bills fan or you or you got interest in Josh Allen, this is who he's going to be under this coach and under this coordinator. And and I can't really say coordinator, let's just say this head coach because he's boom or bust. Because if you go look at some of the throws he made, even the touchdown, he's still throwing across his body. He's still sitting there forcing it in. So it's going to be a boom or bust. He's probably going to be up there still in interceptions by the time we finish this regular season. He could possibly fall still in the top three or four quarterback position of leading the league in interceptions. Um, it's probably going to continue to cost them a little bit more losses down the way. But, you know, the one credit I will give them is the fact that they did get down to the Raiders early. Uh, they were able to keep their poise considering all the negativity. Uh, and I think, and like I said in the first segment, I think Josh is lying when he said that he didn't listen to anything or look at the TV all since he left New York. I disagree with that. He knew what the narrative was. Um, and I feel like this is a particular team uh, that's going to play a little tight from here on out um, because they rely so much on Josh Allen. And I think you've let a young man grow into a man and you didn't worry about pick, breaking none of these habits before. How are you going to break them now with this same regime? The only difference is it's minus Leslie Frazier on the defensive side and it's managed uh, Dable as a coordinator. The head coach is still there. There's secondary coaches still there. Quarterbacks coaches are still there. It's the same they've had for a few years since Josh Allen's been there. So how are you going to break him out of these habits? You're not, in my opinion. Not this year. Not this coaching staff. You just got to live with the boomer bust. And, it's, and it could cost them a playoff position. It definitely could cost them this division, but it could cost them a playoff position a position in regards to that. But they got the W. They're one and one on the season. 
Also, uh, the Bengals. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals fall to 0-2. Not only 0-2, they're 0-2 in the division. And um, the Ravens were able to be victorious. Uh, when I looked at this game, and I did pay attention to most of this game, um, I will say, you know, this whole new experiment uh, with Lamar Jackson and this new coordinator, my man out of Georgia, um, when I'm looking at this through two weeks and it's early, I think that he still needs to go mix in some old Lamar Jackson top 15, top 20 on the Billboard chart remix plays. You know, it just comes down to a lot of these guys, man. You you can't. There's a thin line in trying to make a guy a pocket passer with Lamar's skill set. I think you do to win a Super Bowl. You're gonna have to make some throws from the pocket, but I think in regards to the course of a playing, you're going to need to have more runs and more things, kind of what he's accustomed to doing, and you can kind of create around with the Zay Flowers. But now you have Odell who left the game as well with an injury. Zay Flowers looked like he's going to be promising. Um, so that's what I would say on the winning side with Baltimore. I mean, hey, they're two and zero. They're out in the division. That's why it's a big division game tonight between the Steelers and the Browns. But on the losing time in Cincinnati, okay, um, and I know me and you kind of went back and forth on this beginning, but I'll tell you right now, it's time, as good as he is, it's time for Burrow to get that label other people get in regards to his health and not being healthy. I told you this at the beginning of the season, but you said, hey, man, you know, technically the difference is he played in the Super Bowl that Joe Burrow. I said, it don't make a difference. At the end of the day, he hasn't been available at the start of the camp. We thought we were going to break that streak this year until he went down day two with a calf injury. Uh, he's over there with uh, something that looks like he got from Sharper Image, that old through the electronic massage on his calf through damn near every possession. He got his money, but Burrow can't stay healthy. And if nobody else nasty wants to put that label on him, I'm going to put the – I like Joe Barrow, but I'm putting the label on him. Now, he's a warrior. I think he's going to bounce back. And if there's any team that's 0-2, and, and I've had questions and I still do about Zach Taylor, I really do. I think he's suspect. But, again, you've had to give him credit because they played in two conference championship games and one Super Bowl in the last three years. I said it last week, and I'll still continue to say it. I don't like Jamar Chase's – everything that comes out of him and his play and his body language, it really – there's something off with that. It, it, I just don't like his mindset in regards to getting in that war words with Cleveland and talking about elves and all that. He ain't producing early. Flip 2-1-0. See, the difference between me and we've always had this philosophy on the show. I got to show up here five days a week. Some of y'all like to hide and go on the rocks when y'all say things and have to come back. But again, since Joe Burrow's got that title. Now, if there's any team, though, that's 0-2 right now that I'm going to give the benefit to come out of the uh, come up from uh, under that and turn around, it'd be Cincinnati. Now, they've got a tougher schedule, and they play in a, defense, a division where some teams have gotten better. But Joe deserves that label, man. And this also, also shows the Cincinnati has had slide in the first base, fake hustle, and trying to get a line to protect Joe Burrow. They haven't addressed it the way. Don't give me about the draft picks that they drafted. It. They have not tried to spend enough money, and they have not tried to do enough resources because, again, they've gotten comfortable with the guy who came and changed the face of the franchise. And, again, you're getting almost into that Josh Allen territory where we want him to do everything. Through two weeks, the Cincinnati Bengals look one-dimensional. I have to argue AC about that because she's been saying she's like, no, some of us they were I said, nah, you know, look, man, they've been in two, you know, out of you know, two AFC champ, but if you you look at them through two weeks, they look one-dimensional. They can't run the ball, and Jamar Chase has not been a factor through two weeks. Eight seven seven three seven grind. What do you got? 
Well, now things get a little bit more interesting. Uh, before the season, Jamar Chase said that Joe Burrow shouldn't play week one unless he was 100% ready to go, right? He said, mm-hmm. I don't want to see him back until he's ready to go. Well, now two weeks into the season, Joe Burrow looks nothing like himself. And all reports today, he's re-aggravated that calf injury. So now, Zach Taylor telling the media today that um, it, his, his, uh, his status for next Monday night against the Rams is up in the air. It's an evaluation process. Yeah. So because, and I, and I can understand why they started him, started the season with him. Because again, it's two division games. Um, one of them, you know, you feel like you maybe had an edge over, you were a betting favorite, um, over the Browns because, I mean, you can look at their week one record since they returned in 99. You could look at the fact that, look, eventually Burrow's going to bounce back. Um, you know, they, you got them at the end of last season too. So I can kind of see where you, where you did that, but I mean, I, I don't think they saw themselves falling behind 0-2 in this division. The, it, you, hindsight 2020 was Jamar Chase, right? Should they have sat Joe Burrow to start the year? No, because at the end of the day, they still gonna be zero and two. I mean, they, if you didn't start with Trevor Simeon, yeah, but now you're entering week. Uh, it, it's Brown, uh, Jake Browning. Jake Browning. Um, but but now you're entering week three with questionable status. If you if he could have had two more weeks to get right, two more weeks because he didn't play preseason to get the muscles used to it. I mean, we're coming into the cold months too, and that's not gonna do anything for the calf injury. Especially up there in Cincinnati, and you're playing in Cleveland. Well, that you already played your game in Cleveland, but you're going to play in Pittsburgh. You're going to play in Baltimore. It's not going to do you any favors. Well, unfortunately, man, like I always say, we don't have 82 games, and there's not 162. If Joe Burrow doesn't start, if they're 0 2 with him at 70, 60 percent, they're going to be 0 2 with him. They play in a tough division that could possibly send three teams to the playoffs. So, no, I'm not going to say Jamar Chase is right. I, I think it's one of those if they really thought that you know he wasn't ready to go at the time. They probably would have held him. Now it's one of those. If you reaggravate it, now you got to take a step back and see it goes. But if you keep a score, I think out of the last three out of the four seasons, five out of six seasons, Cincinnati just started 0 2. I mean, this is just who we are. I mean, that's who they are. They, there's some teams that get off the slow start. The Colts, previous to this year, Chuck Pagano, Frank Wright, for whatever reason, they get off the slow start. Cincinnati has started 0-2, I think, three out of the last four seasons, but they've gone to the two. So that's why I say, if anything, I give them the benefit of the doubt. The problem with Cincinnati is that's why I think their problems with Joe's health, it's more than Joe's health. They don't have an offensive line, and they can't run the ball well. And actually, at the end of the day, guys have figured out this Higgins and Jamar Chase situation. And I don't believe Jamar Chase, he's too busy running his mouth on social media trolling Cleveland fans instead of trying to help his ailing quarterback out. But we'll see what Zach Taylor can do to right the ship. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been here before. And they can get. But the difference of it is, like I've always said, teams in the league get better. They're supposed to get better. So while you're sitting there saying, oh, well, we tried it 0-2 before. We've been here before. Yeah, but there's other teams different. Divisions and talent-wise change. That's the problem. If you live by that, you can die by that as well. 877-37-GRIND. The Giants dig deep. Dig deep, deep to come out of the desert after getting down huge, uh, being a big favorite against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, they were able to fight back. Uh, Daniel Dines basically led him a little bit back. It looked shaky there. And I, and you know what? I still don't think they're out of the woodworks. There's something going on with that. But fortunately, they were able to go ahead and win uh, to get that game going and able to come back and pretty much score 21, 28 unanswered points and get the victory. Um, so you got to give them some credit for that because I think if they, if they would have lost that game, the New York media, it would have been pretty much almost unbearable 
to what they displayed against the Dallas Cowboys and what they pretty much would have put on for the first half of that game on film in the desert. If they wouldn't have found a way to come back, you would have probably said because of the pressure in the media, their season could have maybe owned. That would have been the one 0-2 team that I would have said without a doubt their season would have been over. Because you had nothing to go. They looked lifeless in regards to the first, you know, what, six quarters of football they played. The first all four quarters of the Dallas game and the first two quarters in the desert. They looked lifeless. Now, the bad news for the Giants, they come out and Barkley comes out banged up again. He comes out with his, he got his ankle. Now, they're saying it's encouraging uh, because of the MRI, if it's anything negative. But, you know, this could be a day-to-day situation. And I think also this is one of those things where running backs and guys, Jonathan Taylor, they want their money because they know eventually I could get hurt. This could be on the other side. Well, this is why we didn't want to pay him because we don't know if you can stay healthy. Um because without Barkley, man, they're really not going. They, offensively, they're not really going anywhere. And it's a head-scratcher because, you know, it's crazy how you can see, obviously in Buffalo, they're missing Dable. That Josh Allen is missing him. His mechanics are different. The turnovers have been at an all-time high since Brian Dable left. And then you get Brian Dable to go to the Giants, win coach of the year, and then automatically coming out through the first two games, they look like they've taken two steps backwards even in the last his, – his first two years, his first year as a head coach. So that's a puzzling one, but they were able to get the victory. Also, what do you got? Uh, Barkley, uh, we're seeing kind of uh – Conflicting reports out there right now. Uh, one source saying that you know Barkley's going to be week to week. Uh, Schefter out there saying that he, you know that it's going to be approximately three weeks. If you look at three weeks, you're missing the Giants and Niners on Thursday. You can already count him out there. Uh, Seahawks uh, the week after that, and then the Dolphins. If it does stretch to four weeks, you also miss the Bills. So you're starting to miss some division games in there too. Tough sledding because really I think their chances are they're going to be heavy underdogs in a lot of those games with no Barkley. They've done nothing to prove that this offense don't run through him. And again, the last time I checked, all Barkley got was a Band-Aid and a contract. You call Michael Vick or you call him uh, the, the, the Vanilla Vick, what has he done? I mean, he showed some heart yesterday, but this guy got a $100 million extension. And I told you when they had that, that the Giants, I don't believe, still thinks he's the future or really the answer. It's just about let's lock him up and see what he does. He, I mean, other than he, you got to give him credit. He showed some grit to come down because I saw him get emotional. But, I, yeah, good luck. Let's see. I mean, because honestly, having an offseason, this offense should look better if Barkley got to miss games. You're supposed to be prepared for that, but I haven't seen any sign. And good luck with that schedule if Barkley is not going to end the play. And also, I think, too, this getting not talked about enough, you know, um, Darren Waller's hamstring problem. I mean, this is going to go down. This is just like that tight end, my man. I forgot his name. He played for the Washington Commanders. Hell of a talented tight end, but this dude could not stay healthy for like three or four years straight. I forgot what my man's name is, but he that Waller's get like that's the reason why he ain't in the desert in Vegas no more. So he they're saying his is like a high hamstring thing, not lower. That's why he's been able to play through it. But they have all the stuff that I saw in preseason was reading about in camp. I haven't seen none of that Waller connection or that addition of Waller adding any type of flavor uh, to the Giants through two weeks. It's early, but through two weeks, eight, seven, seven, three, seven grind. Also, um, Seattle. Geno bounces back with the 300-yard game and a win on the road against Detroit. Now, I had Seattle winning this game. 
uh, due to the fact that I had Seattle win the division. If they are, they're going to have to get going. Uh, but I thought they would bounce back defensively. Now, there were some points given up, but to be able to go on the road after Kansas City, you know, Detroit goes into Kansas City, that's very impressive. Uh, Geno had a bounce back game. He looked horrible week one, but he bounced back. Credit to them. They get back to one and one. So that also, that particular game came across my radar. Uh, you got, what do you got? Oh, that one. Pete Carroll said that he allowed the guys to have too much fun going into week one. He said, he said we, I feel like we're ourselves again. We found ourselves. Well, I would tell Pete, Lions I mean, game. well, Pete has a nickname for a reason, Serp or Pete. I would tell Pete, like, what's new? I mean, you had that at USC. You had in the first year. The problem is, is what he probably saying is that he doesn't have the right personnel of players that can police themselves like he had in his first years at Seattle or his time at USC when he's all. That's why he got the title per surfboard Pete. So uh, Pete can miss me with that one. And I like Pete Carroll, but stop it. Okay, what that sounds, you might be an inconsistent team this year. More, they were a lot consistent last year. Surprised a lot of people. They're one and one, but what it might sound uh, be a sign of that you might have some inconsistencies uh, on your radar. Um, also, uh, Kansas City is able to survive the humidity and heat to get out of Jacksonville with the W, um, but it don't look the same. Don't look the same. Um. This particular situation, what I will give credit to, I will give credit to Chris Jones, who looked like he was ready to play despite missing training camp, despite missing week one. I think his, you have to get in a hot south in Jacksonville, Florida, where the humidity, you got to give Chris Jones being ready to even complete that game and not really be too much on a pitch count to be able to have, be ready to go and impact the game, which he did. Uh, so i got to give a little bit of credit to Spags and the defense for what they did with Jacksonville. Now, Jacksonville made damn near like six or seven trips in the red zone and couldn't cash in. So to me, this is more about really Jacksonville and not being able to take advantage at home more than being able to say, hey, Kansas City has rectified their problems since week one. Now, I didn't see as many drop passes from their receivers as we did in week one. Kelsey was back who contribute to a fumble, by the way. I will tell you this, and, and again, you really judge after this first quarter in week five, but I will tell you, this is going to be a situation, and, and I heard that you know Patrick Mahomes got a new deal today. They kind of reworked his contract, put it fully guaranteed. And, you know, I was telling Jonas, you know, Patrick Mahomes has that old David Robinson contract. It might not be in the language, but David had a kind of like, hey, I've got to be once the one, two top paid centers in the league. Patrick, as long as he continues to play and he's at that level, Kansas City is going to make sure that he's got to be, whether it's in his contract or not, they're going to honor him by being the highest paid or not the second highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. Now, with that said, more than ever, the keys to Kansas City, and I don't, I'm not saying 2022, 2021, the 2020. The key to Kansas City in 2023, if you take Travis Kelsey out the game, this is going to possibly be an average, if not above average, offensive team. And I'll elaborate a little bit more onto that. Uh, there's another game that I want to touch on. Speaking of the Rams and the 49ers, then we'll make our way to college. Uh, there's some college football notes. I definitely want to talk about that Colorado and Colorado State game. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spinner the One and Twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this... 
It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, Shout. cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.